Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast on Pandamanga.com. I'm JP. As always with me, my fearless co-host, Joe. Happy holidays, all you Yule race. And Marcus. Oh, Hallamon's family, unless you hate your family. Back with us again, we have the Brian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, too. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm glad you felt like you had to also say hello to the gentleman. Yeah, well, you know, they count their people, I guess. <laughs> gentlemen are people, I guess. Can't discriminate. Yeah. <laughs> Brian is full of love. He wants to love and rule everyone. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want love. I just want respect or fear. The world is so messed up and I just need to yeah, rule, rule it. <laughs> Can I just be your henchman, please? <laughs> I want to be the one with just enough power to get away with shit, but not really be responsible for anything. Yeah, the guy, the guy that like, gets own, away with like, shit like, never actually gets caught. Yeah. You want to be 21? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Today we're talking about Psycho Derby 2030 by Chip Buchanan. We met Chip back at Big Wow Comic Fest this year. Chip was really nice. He took some time and gave us an interview and then hooked us up with a bunch of books of his comic, Psycho Derby 2030, an interesting comic about the Derby. And evidently, Derby started in 1930. And so the idea is that 100 years later, they're making a big transition and moving to maglev, uh, which is magnetic levitation, right? So they can go faster. Faster. Yeah. So basically zero friction skating. Although I'm not quite sure how that works because you'd think that if there was zero friction, they wouldn't be able to, like, they would just fall, right? Like, hmm. if your feet are just floating, there's no, like, I don't know how that would work. Well, he had some technical stuff about the... He did, actually. That was a kind of cool... Polarity adjusting as the foot moves and stuff. He did. He had some actually really cool sort of, like, technical stuff towards the back of one of the issues talking about the maglev stuff before it was instituted into the into the league. The quote... <laughs> Patton Oswalt, my extent of scientific knowledge is salt is salty. That's all I got. So, <laughs> so we, uh, we had a good interview with him. So why don't I go ahead and play that now? And when we get back, we'll get into talking about the story of Psycho Derby 2030. Hey, everybody. This is JP from Pandamanga.com. We are here at the Big Wow Comic Fest talking to Chip Buchanan. Tell me about the comics you got going on at your table today. Sure. Today I'm uh, promoting the launch of the latest issue of Psycho Derby 2030, which is a futuristic roller derby women's league and set awesome. Not, awesome. not too far in the future. Tell us about the story a little bit. Sure. The story, uh, it follows uh, players in different teams in, in the, uh, the Psycho Derby leagues, and two of the main characters that the series has discovered so far are Kamikaze, who is uh, an immigrant from Japan, and Lizard Brain, her arch rival who is from Mexico, but they, they battle on east and west coast in the United States. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration of this comic? Like, where'd you get this idea? It's really interesting. Well, I just really have long admired roller derby. I think it should Absolutely. be an Olympic sport. <laughs> and so um, I was always a, a fat, nerdy kid, and, and I, I never really liked sports very much. But uh, for some reason, roller derby, I, I think, is, is, is just really amazingly intense and, and fun to watch. So, uh, And then I go to, to some of the local derby matches in the, in the we have San some Francisco. derby stuff going on in the Bay Area, for yeah, sure. Yeah, plenty. plenty. There, there's the newer, newer um, women's leagues on the flat track, and they also have the old school league with the uh, the, the Bay Bombers, which I, I really admire. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, 
Can you tell us a little bit about your art style? It's definitely very unique, especially the color is very, very cool. Sure. Well, I'm a graphic designer by day. I do a lot of work on computer graphics, and, and I, I basically... Um, so it's like a fully digital workflow. You don't you start on the computer and finish on the computer? or um, Not exactly. I actually start everything pretty much in pencil sketches and then scan and do all the ink work in, in um, Illustrator sure. or in Photoshop. Okay, yeah. It's sounding like a more and more common way to do things now. It's really f- efficient, but still keeps that hand-drawn charm. Sure, sure. The tools, uh, they, they really streamline the, the workflow. Absolutely. So what is going on in the most recent issue? Because this is the one that's number issue five. Well, the series begins with more or less conventional derby, but the latest issue is debuting the, the innovation of what's called Maglev Madness. It's a technology that uh, the skaters ha- have maglev skates without wheels, and they fly just like maglev trains above the track. Nice. That's awesome. And so the idea is that so they like go how, really like fast. like how high above the track? Just like a foot um, or just, two? Just, or? just a few inches above the track. Okay, yeah. And the concept is that there's actually a controller that would regulate it, something like a train controller would, just to, to regulate the, the actual speed in case of collisions and nice. maintaining safety for the for the players. Interesting. But so, so you're looking at that to really kind of revolutionize the sport of the Psycho Derby. That, that's the idea. Awesome. That's cool. So and the first time that it shows up is in issue five, which just came out. That's right. That's right. And um, they're, they're little, little uh, bits of... of um, technological innovations throughout, like um, with the California high-speed trains, which are for real in planning, right. that actually makes an appearance in nice. in, in this issue. Nice. So, so it's like it's the not-so-distant future then, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Cool. And awesome. plausible future. Very cool. I saw that you do the uh, the screen tones, the dot tones. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's very cool. I, I tell you what, uh, it's one of my favorite ways uh, for comics to be done, and it's very rare, especially in the independent comic scene. Everybody either wants to do you know, just full kind of like watercolor style or just black and white, but it's n- almost never this dot tone. So do you have like a special connection to that? or? Well, I grew up reading comics, and I think as far as the pr- production process, uh, because I've, I've targeted print as well as online e-comics, right. Right. Um, I, I like the style uh, or the, the result that the tone uh, gives when you apply it. Absolutely. It's really very flexible and it just has a, has a really neat look to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I really like your work and we're just so excited to read the comic and review it on the podcast. Thank you so much for talking to well, us thank today. you. Very much appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, man. Thanks again, Chip, for taking time out of your convention schedule to talk with us. I know that your table was busy and it's always hard to take time away from your fans and potential customers. So we appreciate that. If you'd like to check out Psycho Derby, you can check it out at whambamcomics.com. That's W-H-A-M-B-A-M comics.com. And you can read, I want to say all of it on there for free, which is pretty cool. Also, purchasing it there is available in comic form. And then if you are around in the Bay Area, Chip hits up a lot of the conventions and you can get posters and comics and all that good stuff. Creator Chip Buchanan was born in Xenia, Ohio attended prep school and college in New England. He enjoys bowling, traveling by train, and reminiscing about his years as a chubby child in America's heartland. Wow. (laughs) Um, If that's where you got to be chubby, it's not too bad. (laughs) It's true. He currently resides in Oakland, California with his better half, Nancy. You can also check out Chip's professional graphics design portfolio over at Content Graphics, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. That was like one of the most like that was pretty funny. It was like short and sweet. We read a lot of those, Chip, and that one was that was funny. Uh-huh. I love the little chubby kid comment. It's <laughs> funny. A lot of the about me is get meandering. Yeah, they get yes. real meandering. That was concise. Yeah, some of them get really self-deprecating though, which is kind of like, all right, guys, like chill. We know it's hard being an artist. <laughs> all right, so 
Psycho Derby 2030. So what did you guys think of the story? It's pretty raw. Yeah. Yeah. The comic, I would say on the whole, is pretty raw. It needs some work. Yeah. It's a very cool idea. I actually really liked a lot of the characters and mm-hmm. the character designs when they worked. So a lot of the time it was it was kind of hit or miss. You know, I'm not sorry I read it. I, I definitely enjoyed it. But uh, I think I think mm-hmm. that it was a little... Like I, I came away kind of being like a little confused about some things and yeah. yes. not really understanding why so much time was spent on certain aspects of one of the character's stories. Yeah. And, you know, so it just, yeah, it was a little, the story was a little meandering. The, it was very confusing. I kind of get in some ways the impression because so far we've kind of seen two teams and it's followed two different people mm-hmm. in issues one through five. You've got... Kamikaze and Kamikaze um, from and they're in different areas. One's in New York, one's in San Francisco. And the very first issue has no text in it whatsoever. And it's actually a roller derby battle between their two teams, Mm -hmm. Um, which I thought was interesting. It's always interesting when someone, I guess, interesting and ballsy when someone does a comic with zero text. Right. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that because Kamikaze is in it, I wonder if that's like the final thing and everything else is a prelude no, I, leading up to it. I don't know. You know, I got the feeling that that was just kind of testing the waters. Okay, and then yeah. you wanted to go. Because, you know, sometimes when you're writing a story or a comic or whatever, you, your initial creative burst doesn't necessarily include all of the backstory information. It's just mm-hmm. sort of like a it's like a snapshot of this group that you have a vision for. But you don't necessarily have all the nitty gritty information about the history, which is definitely where what he gets into later on. Yeah. The first issue was interesting and there's not a whole lot of story in there because it's just about, you know, issue two gets into the story of Faye, who becomes Kamikaze. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with the derby stuff, derby culture and and derby rules and whatever, it's typically common for people to have kind of outrageous and fun sort of aggressive sounding names and yes. so she's this japanese chick so she's kamikaze um and so she it's basically kind of like an origin story for her and i was thinking that after reading issue two Faye's story about how she becomes part of the group i thought he was going to go back and show how, how each of the different girls like that's, that's what, what I, was, I thought yeah, was coming. That's exactly what I thought was happening. And I was like, when... nice, that's a cool idea. You know, it's like it's a neat thing because it makes you have a connection with the character. You know, when you can when you can sneak in some character development without it feeling like it's bogging down, which he did a pretty good job with with Faye's uh, you know, initial story yes. in issue two. It's like for the rest of the story, you resonate with Faye more, you care about her more. You you know, yeah. it's like you, you learn about someone and you get to where you like them a bit, and then when terrible things happen to them, or interesting, or exciting, or ups or downs, or whatever, you're along for the ride more instead of just kind of like whatever. And so I was really glad that he did that with Faye, and I had wished he'd done that with more characters, you know. And he did mm-hmm. it like a really long one a little later on about Lizard Brain. And then she's just like the story ends with her just not doing it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it's just kind of like, why did we do that? I, like, I'm, I don't. I'm kind of confused by um, at the end of issue three is the lizard brain episode. I'm not sure if she's left or she's. No, she's back. done because yeah. in, yeah, in issue five, Monterey, they talk so. about right. lizard brain, who was the MVP of the league. Right. They talk about her being gone and Kamikaze is staged to potentially become the MVP. Right, but MVP, which yeah. I think is maybe why we did the lizard brain story, but it just felt like it was a little okay, a lot longer than it needed to be, yeah. with way more detail, and just just for it to be sort of like offhandedly mentioned in issue five, because it seems like the main story is about Kamikaze and her team. Yeah. Right, 
if you guys have ever watched a lot of independent movies, it had that same sort of feel. Well, it's like, like this investigation a little deeper than necessary into something. Well, or... not so much. It's a very enclosed, tight story that maybe it doesn't have an overreaching, like, moral of the story. You know, you learn something from this. It's just like this one picture of this one time in this one person's life. And it ends not necessarily with a final note, but enough that you get the idea of lizard brain story specifically or the yeah. whole comic just lizard brain just lizard brain okay yeah I, that's true i was kind of getting the possible feeling of if you've seen the movie goon with sean william scott which is an excellent excellent movie it's a hockey movie about a guy who can't really skate but boy can, can he fight um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so like there's this big thing that oh he's the next this guy who's kind of been in and out of the pros as basically an enforcer and it's kind of the story of them possibly eventually meeting i kind of get that feeling with kamikaze and lizard brain hmm. that eventually oh. something like that is gonna happen. yeah i get the feeling that he's making you know very confidently telling a lot more story about these characters expecting for us to need to know who they are for later mm -hmm. you know i feel like we're still real early in the psycho derby 2030 storyline yes because even though there's a lot of exposition about the characters, the meat of the story doesn't really begin until issue five. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty deep for the meat to begin, all things considered. You know, yeah. and yeah, some of them are like 12 page issues. Some of them are more like 25, 26 page issues. But having to wait till issue five to be like, OK, here we go. This is the story. Felt odd, especially because it wasn't what we were expecting when we we see Kamikaze do her origin story. And then issue three is not another person on that team. It's not yeah. somebody it's somebody from New York, completely that, the other side of the country. And it's kind of like, wait, what? Yeah, what? It totally threw me for a loop. Yeah. I'm like, wait, is that Kamikaze? Because the drawing doesn't look like her or any member of the team. Yeah, What's and it becomes on? clear that it's got oh, nothing to do shit. with her. You know what I just realized? At hmm. the end of issue five, one of the teammates quits because Kamikaze is trying to boss her around. And the girl from New York flies back to Monterey. So... Ah, uh, there you go. Set they're setting, up. Yeah, they're setting them up to work to together, heads. maybe. Oh, that, okay. that could be cool. I figured it out. You're like a detective. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, I'm I, I like I really want to like this. I do. Like I really there, like, there are a lot of concepts that were very, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I like there are parts of the art I really like. The idea of the story is something I enjoy. And I've And who doesn't love Derby? Right? Yeah. I mean, ever since I found out that Derby exists at all, I'm kinda like, why have I not been going to this this sounds like a bunch of fun and and actually after i talked to chip and i'll give you guys this information at the end of the episode i actually requested information about local derby for like the you know northern california bay area and he sent me like a bunch of links to derbies that go on around here in different leagues so mm, it's, uh, it's becoming like a more and more active culture which in community yeah. which is cool see i'll have to be the black sheep of the group because i think that's actually why i had such a hard time getting into it because i have no interest in derby whatsoever really so, um, you mean women in fishnets and like stuff like smacking each other around? Yeah, like, you know that what? doesn't sound like fun to you? What was the movie with Ellen Page? Where yeah, she yeah, whip it. Whip like, it. I wanted to watch that and I watched it and I was like, mm. it just it didn't do it for me. Huh. So, the subject matter for me, it's hard. Um, I mean, so I'm trying to view it objectively as just like storytelling ability, um, the visual art style. Yeah, that's going to be tricky. I, I feel like it really leans really heavily on Derby is cool. Yeah. You know, mm. and if, if, if you're not like, 
I'm with you. Derby's cool. Then it might be hard to you know so, to really find something to like because it's 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 rough, man. There's the boyfriend, or there's the asshole. Uh, the issue with the asshole boyfriend, and yeah. he's like, it's just Derby, and I'm kind of feel like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's messed up man and so like yeah, i mean being the reader and knowing that the protagonist in that particular story is, is the girl you want to relate with her but as you know me not really caring about the sport mm. much i was kind of like yeah, i i don't know yeah. i've yeah. i've gotten yeah. from an ex before so when are you do you think you're going to be done with the whole comics thing yeah and i'm like oh no this girl's not lasting <laughs> <laughs> oh no you can just leave so one thing that that left me sort of like was like the whole storyline with her like liking the uh, kamikaze, liking the burgers from Mofos. It's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, you know, I that part interested me. <laughs> I like a burger from Mofos. Yeah, but then she goes in and she's like, "It's the only thing I look forward to in the day." And then she takes a bite of it and is all bleh, and then yeah, throws, it throws it away. It's yeah. like what? It's and like, then later I, on, I they use that as like a way for him to like cheer her up when she's having a hard time, and them to have like a little love connection. He's like, "Here's some burgers you threw out earlier." Yeah, I mean, it's not the same burger, but it's like here's the same thing. Well, you know, it's like there, what? There are times where to quote Lethal Weapon Two. They fuck you in the drive-thru. <laughs> there are times where you order something and it's just done wrong and there's something nasty. Eh, sure. Yeah, so. I just, there was, you're just expecting her to really enjoy it based on the way she describes it. And then the way Chip uses it later on for it to be like a point of comfort for her after she's having struggle is kind of like, yeah. Yeah. She probably well, shouldn't have had her spit it out earlier. They say she has it every day, right? Yeah, every yeah. day, and it's the one thing she looks forward to. It, it's, mm. She should sit down and be like, mm, and The guy that works sex, there is just like, milk. this is going to kill yum, you. Yum, yum. Keep eating this every day. Right. Yeah. But I could see that like as part of her story. You know, It's like the one thing she has going for her every day is just did not oh, come true, out true, right. True, true, true. And then it yeah, came out yeah. wrong and she's like, And then she's this. got the mother yeah. and then which she I gets totally fired. got. The like yeah. incredibly racist picture of her mother who's like <laughs> like unbelievably stereotyped. You have to look at Weston. You know, yeah. it's, it was really like, I felt bad. Just look, it was like, oh wow. But if you did notice that Kamikaze's teeth got more and more buck every time she got drawn. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? One thing that had me cracking up was Tycho is the guy's name. It gets mentioned like once, but Tycho is the guy that works at Mofos. Oh, yeah. And uh, when he's talking to his friend, his roommate. Yeah. <laughs> his roommate. His roommate's like, this girl don't impress me. Dot, you know, and then Kia keeps talking. And eventually he's like, she's not even blonde. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what is that about? I completely understand that. I get uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet you do get it. This <laughs> is the guy with the blonde wife. Yes, yeah, true. All line up of blonde ex-girlfriends. <laughs> you do man you're like the blonde guy I, it's my type i can't get away from it <laughs> they have more fun uh, i have to admit though story-wise like i really did get a kick out of how much of a freaking badass lizard brain was like she had like this drug dealing crazy terrible horrible human being boyfriend mm. and he's like picks her up and is driving her to practice and <laughs> They get like accosted on the highway and people are like jumping out and shooting at them and stuff. And she like flips out of the car and is like, wow, and like kicks their asses. And he's like, I told you not to get in my business. What? And I was like, what? And she's like, I told you I got to get to practice and just walks Walk. off. And it's like, she's like, damn, that chick is serious business. <laughs> And then the best part is after that, like, the guys that, like, went to try and kill them is running away. Esta loca! Esta loca! 
Well, she grabbed his fucking gun. She kicked his ass, dude. Complete, completely kicked ass. Yeah, pretty funny. So, like we were saying, the first four issues are just a lot of sort of preparation for getting into what seems to be the meat of the story in issue five. Issue five gets into the first kind of real serious games going on for Kamikaze and her team. And she's still sort of the newbie. And she is the jammer in the team. And the jammer is a pretty important role. Uh, She's actually the, the one that technically is scoring the points in the derby. In the derby, basically, you've got four blockers and one jammer on each team. you got five people on the court at one time. The four blockers are meant to slow the jammers down. And so the four blockers start from each team together. And then a little ways, a little ways after that, the two jammers from the other teams, I mean, the, the, each jammer, a little ways after that, each jammer from the teams, they come afterwards. And the idea is for them to get through the blockers and then circle around and pass the blockers. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so when they lap a blocker, that's a point. And so the jam lasts for two minutes. And I think also there's some rules about how it can be stopped in the middle of things. But anyway, so... Her being a jammer, she's kind of like a, in a linchpin in the team. If she blows it, they're incapable of making points. You know, yes. if, if a blocker makes a mistake, yes, they can let someone through and get a bunch of points going on. But if the jammer is screwing it up, that's an important part. Now, obviously, all the parts of a derby team are important, but she's kind of like the quarterback, sort of, you know. And so for a total newbie to be thrust into such an important spot when she's blowing it, the team is getting mad at her, <laughs> you know. And so there's a lot of tension in the team. And at the same time, they're sort of like douchebag, hey, Hollywood kind of team manager dude is trying to like pitch her as like the new MVP. She's the coolest thing. She's like a crazy Chinese or she's like a crazy ninja cutting sushi and blah, you know, and like all this weird racist stuff. And she's like, man, everybody thinks the Japanese people are ninjas. Man, she's like, we're geishas. Yeah. And she's like really feeling disrespected and unappreciated and just could have thrust into a weird position and things don't go well. And then Mr. Uh, Tycho from the Mo- from Mofo shows up and gives her some sandwiches and and then they feel happy, and so that like that's the sort of the the beginning of what's going on. And so there's some mention in issue five about them trying to get sponsorship or some money from uh, mm-hmm. somebody who's sort of like you know used to be really really famous in yeah. the community. And because Kamikaze is so violent, <laughs> like she's not real interested in helping them out. And so it looks like there's going to be some interesting drama coming up in issue six and beyond where the characters are struggling to try and get money for the team and get more well paid. And at the same time, dealing with, you know, welcoming Kamikaze into the team and having her, you know, become, you know, one of the girls. And, and yeah. you know, which she is not. Not yet. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. not yet. So, and then also the developing relationship with Faye, Kamikaze, and uh, Taiko from Mofos. So. So anyway, so are there any other thoughts on the story? Or we want to move on to talking about the art, you guys? Don't forget, there's also the potential love triangle with her coach, Hamilton. Uh, I think that she's kind of kind of be off coach Hamilton. She was I showing some so. interest in him, and then it turns out he's sort of a player douchebag. Yeah. yeah. And, like, going to be sleeping with, like, the crazy old lady that they're trying to get money from. Yeah. Right, but she's still got feelings for him, so, yeah. you know, could come into play. Poor Faye. Yeah. Life is complex. She, but then she's being a total dick to Tycho. Yeah. yeah. So what are you stalking me? Yeah. Man. It's 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 admittedly a little hard to find a character to kind of root for. Yeah. Because yeah. even Tycho is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Tycho you know, is a he bit is, obsessive. He is kind of stalking her. He is <laughs> definitely not kind of. There's no kind of. <laughs> his rant with his friend, you know, in the house, they're like, he's like, I, I can't explain it, but I. It's like must. more than anything in my life before, I have to follow her. It's like, okay, buddy. <laughs> Anyway, well, why don't we take a quick musical break? When we get back, we'll get into talking about the art of Psycho Derby 2030. You're listening to Geek Life. Stick with us.
Welcome back to Geek Life. We are talking about Psycho Derby 2030. Right now, we're going to get into the art. Who had something? I actually, there was a decision made, I think, between the first and second issue that they, they started doing tones. And I I actually liked the black and white, stark black and white better than I did the tones throughout the next uh, four or five issues that we read. I feel like I want to pull Chip aside and have the same conversation with him that I had with you after issue four of your comic came out. Yeah. Where it's like, tones are awesome, but they're used for a particular reason. So I'm just going to give my spiel right now. In my opinion, tones, and this isn't so much my opinion as in this is where they came from. Granted, you can do whatever you want now because you can just select and fill with tones on the computer. So you can kind of do whatever you want. But but tones traditionally were for the purpose of defining gray and gradients and you know textures and whatnot when you are only going to get either black or white. You know, you've got ink or no ink. Right. And so if you're trying to get a gray or suggest a color or have a gradient or something like that, you essentially have a bunch of dots together and a mathematical pattern that is of a particular, you know, size or shape or darkness or whatever. And they're used to be able to describe things like gray, gradient and things like that. And so to use tones in a comic, as far as I'm concerned, you're basically saying this comic is going to have black and white and that's it. Unless you're going to do really beautiful, complex things like the cape mm-hmm. or that the came out recently. And there's some other people that, that really integrate sort of like toning into like the darkest of shaded areas in full, beautiful colored comics and stuff. And it can be done well as almost like a homage or callback to the kind of old tone pop art look. But the use of screen tones on a black and white comic, for me, it needs to be black, white, and that's it. If you're going to have tones, therefore we're making gray. If you're going to have black, white, gray, and tones, you're doing it wrong, in my opinion. Now, granted, that's I have a pretty sort of traditionalist perspective on this, but that's what tones are for. They're for describing gray because you're limited to just black and white. So why would you have gray and tones? It just looks wrong. There's so much history and so much rich use of tones over the years, especially in Japanese comics. And it's just like, that's just not what they're for. And so they look just wrong when they come in and they're used in conjunction with also gray tones. Or if the tones themselves are gray instead of black, also you're doing it wrong. This is just not how tones are meant to be used. Now, granted, some people, you can do whatever you want. It's art. It's like, it's all whatever you like. But for me, my sensibilities and what I tend to feel, and I think often a lot of people agree, and also traditionally what tones are for, that's just not the correct use for tones. They add a really good look to things. They have a particular feel. Tones are very cool. I love to use tones. Tones, I'm currently toning Marcus's fifth book of Mallow Man. But tones, there's there's just something special. And maybe I'm just making tones too precious, and that's possible, because I do feel like they're special. But... The reality is, for me, tones, it's like, you got to use them right, or just don't use them. Just so. to back up your your comments about tones, because uh, you said you might be too precious yourself, but if uh, yeah. coming from someone who's worked with John and seen his tones and what he's capable of, if you look at some of the tones that I use with people who, in the past, might not have had experience with tones, versus what John's handed me so far, issue five, the difference is almost night and day. So I lend John as much credibility as possible when it comes to what he knows about tones because he does know what he's talking about. And there is uh, definitely a, a subtle yet powerful way to use them that can be uh, abused if not done correctly. Yeah. So, I mean, tones are not just another tool in your bag of tricks. Tones are a style. And I think that, I don't know, 
I, you can yeah. tell I'm very passionate about tones. I, yeah, grew, I mean, me. I really grew up loving Japanese comics, and Japanese comics use heavy have a heavy use of tone. I grew up reading the how to draw manga books and studying about how to do it, you know, like that, you know, the Japanese style and learning about what they're for and why they came about. And, you know, I have a lot of respect and a lot is a long history for me of them being something special and something to be respected and used correctly. And so well, that, when I see them thrown in there because you can just throw them in there on the computer and they can be misused, it's really a pet peeve of mine. Well, then you've done tones the traditional way too. You didn't, you, Oh yeah. Gr- in high school, we would go down to, uh, in Berkeley, they had the, um, what was that? Uh, Amsterdam Art in Berkeley. We would go and you'd go up to the stack of letter set tones. You would purchase the tones. You would do your pencils, do your inks, photocopy them, cut out a piece of tone, slap it on your paper, cut out around your lines, etch away with an exacto knife to be able to get highlights. Like, this is what it is. It's a special and powerful and neat thing. And computers allow it to be inexpensive and cool to use, but they can get misused and used incorrectly. Yeah. And we and, need to talk about something else because I'm just going to well, keep going. <laughs> for me, I'm not an artist guy. I don't have any real experience. And frankly, I read a lot less comics than the other three guys in this room. But yeah, issue five, the overuse of tones was very distracting. I almost want to say the blatant use of tone overuse. Well, it's like there's it's tones just, and there's gray tones and there's this much. and there's that. And then yeah. like there were some times where it was almost like there was like kind Checker of paint. patterns yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I would recommend making a choice. It's not that tones are a bad thing to use, Chip, but, but my recommendation would be to either choose to do tones and do it in the traditional manner or really work them into a sort of new sort of collage sort of feel. Look up Joe Hill's The Cape. That would be a really good example of how tones can be sort of used in like a modern comic sort of computer made style. That's a really, really handsome. But it just feels like you got to make a choice. You know, you're going to do it gray tones or you're going to do it with tones. Like Was it episode five that we talked about the cape? I can't remember. I don't know. You can't remember. <laughs> oh, Brian Damn. can't remember. Anyway, so we're running out of time. So why don't we have you guys go around and just get, share some of your thoughts and I'll just I'll just get off my soapbox real quick. Right. Only big thing for me. Read a couple of Spider-Man comics because he's relying really heavily on the action to tell his story during the derby battles. And it looks like he just doesn't quite have the physics of how the the characters are colliding. And it looks like someone's throwing a punch about 20 feet away from somebody and they're falling over. Yeah, there's there's a, a good, lot of yeah, get there's a, a lot of, of visual storytelling in in the action scenes and whatnot, and um, sometimes it's hard to tell whether they're standing still or whether they're mm-hmm. moving. Just read some and just read that, some action comics like and get used some to seeing lack it. Of depth in they're those just, action scenes. So so yeah. in animation, you have what's called keyframes, right? And the keyframes are the most important and dynamic parts. And traditionally, the head animator would draw each of the keyframes and then they would hand them to the army of in-betweeners that's where we get the term tweening on the computer right and so the in-betweeners would draw the intermediary pieces between the different keyframes so the keyframes were drawn by the head artists because they're the most important part and typically the most dynamic part of the movement of the animation in comic books you need to choose what would be the keyframes and essentially it's the most dynamic part of the movement right so if you get like a walking cycle or you get like a run cycle animation and you see it cut up kind of like how you see people do like the photo progressions and stuff if you look and you find the one that is like the most dynamic looking, the most overreaching, stretched out sort of motion, that's what you need in comics. Because in comics, you get one picture to describe motion. And so it has to be dynamic. You can't have someone who's kind of in the middle of a step 
you have to have them like pushing off the ground and reaching. And I'm not saying overemphasize to make it look unrealistic, but the reason why Joe immediately says, read some Spider-Man stuff, read some action comics mm-hmm. is because they have absolutely pegged finding that keyframe that mm-hmm. really is the most dynamic motion inducing moment. And Spider-Man I, is what oh. every comic book, how to draw a book says to draw. If you're trying to draw motion. Yeah. So, Spider, yeah. Spider-Man is absolutely always moving. It, yeah. Ditko's a boss. For me, I was thinking the character models are very inconsistent. Now, I realize that some of it, the art style is very fluid. And I think the art style is growing. And yeah, and it is evolving. But for example, Liz in issue three, her face... The shape of it was constantly changing. She had a wide face. She had a long sometimes it was face. like, okay, I just got to make sure that this is the person yeah, that they and, are and because I wasn't of the sure. hair. Like, yeah, oh yeah, and Hamilton or Mister Hollywood and he like changed between, his hair color. Yeah, like, between yeah. issues four and five. Well, it's even, it's more than just that. He went from having dark hair to like blonde or like white hair. And sure, maybe he dyed it, but. Well, yeah. you know, there was some time they traveled to another city. Yeah, but you would but... you would make mention of that. You don't you would, leave anything. Yeah. You don't you don't leave. You don't ever want to leave your readers going like, wait, what? Yeah, but like even his eyebrows were slightly different. And There's the a lot of subtle things. So I wasn't right. sure that that was Hamilton. I had to kind of go back and forth yeah. for a little bit to make sure. Well, when you're crafting a character, and back me up on this, Marcus. When you're crafting a character, there's essentially. And, you know, it can be a little flexible, but more or less, there's going to be kind of measurements between different facial features and how many heads high someone is, how big their head is in comparison to their body, how far apart their eyes are, how high they her eyes are on their head, whether they have a large forehead or a small forehead, how far their nose is away. All those things are markers that human beings look to to go, oh, this is this person. Exactly. I mean, you want and to make when it's character th- sheets, character model sheets for all of your primary characters before you start drawing them multiple yeah, times. Wh- and uh, what one of my favorite artists, Doug Tanapple, made uh, – talking about when he did his characters he fills up sketchbooks of his characters before he starts putting them on pages yeah my my rule is unless i can fill an entire character sheet of one character and it every single one is recognizably that guy i'm not ready to draw him in a comic yet i think my my final piece would be like chip i would recommend check out uh and use and i say this over and over again if you've listened to the podcast before reference go from reference much much more reference it's not like Derby pictures are in short supply. You can find some really dynamic, awesome action shots of Derby. You can find some dynamic, awesome action shots of people just playing other sports and superimpose them into Derby. Take pictures of you and your friends. But you got to go from reference. I'm not just talking about poses. I'm talking about like the hands. There's a lot of hands that are just not right. And, you know, sometimes you give a little flexibility and leeway with the hands because sometimes it's gestural and sometimes it's hard and you're under a time crunch. And we understand comics are a thing where you've got a time limit and you're trying to get it out by a certain time. But And hands are some of the hardest things. And to hands are, are mm-hmm. often considered some of the hardest things. But the fact is, is that you got two of them. Take pictures and do it, you know, like that. Like my phone is full of pictures of me making funny faces <laughs> and and me trying to you know, hold my hand in these weird, awkward positions because I'm trying to draw them and like Pinku says, if you don't know how to draw something, go figure it out. Don't just try. Don't just wing it. And it looks like there's a lot of poses and a lot of hands and a lot of things where it's kind of like it was just drawn the way that you imagined it to be drawn mm-hmm. instead of the way it is. And there's definitely, even if I couldn't, especially if a casual reader looks at it, they couldn't probably go, oh, well, this needs to be shifted back and this leg is a little too long. And this is, you know, all that technical stuff that takes a technical artistic eye. Maybe they aren't going to be able to articulate all that, but they're going to know that something's not right. 
Yeah. Now I will say that when it comes to doing certain things a certain way, like the hands, I noticed that the hands look a lot alike. Um, you are going to start developing your own style. Yep. Now, don't let that be an excuse to not have a successful proportioning job when you draw certain things. But I mean, what's the guy to do? Uh, Samurai Jack. All of their fingers are straight cut off. That's right, just but the that's a style. Those hands aren't like well, mouth say is it, You got to find know? the balance between yeah. figuring out what your style is and figuring out uh, what looks successful on the page. Because you can have a style, but if it's not doesn't look right, then it's going to not look right the entire time that you have your style. Yeah. So um, don't necessarily back away from how you draw. Just perfect it. Just yeah. make sure that if it's your style, that you're making it the way that it looks appealing to the audience. Mm-hmm. We're out of time today, and I'm sorry I spent so much of our time rambling about tones. You guys got to wrangle <laughs> me in when that comes up. But on the whole, I'm glad I read them, and I really like the idea, and I like the I like where the story's headed. Good and, concept, and the yeah. concept is really Concept's cool. Concept's interesting. But you know, We're you know, in the words of my friend Pinku, needs work. Yeah. It needs work. It needs to. You need to work out some of the rough edges. You know, workshop yeah. some of the characters. Do a bunch of character sheets. Do some studies of hands. Do some studies of derby positions. There's a lot that's good, but you know, it it, it needs work. We'll come back to you in five more issues. Yeah, yeah. I think we can all agree. Huge improvement from the first issue. Huge change, yeah. Yeah, I mean, issue five, you really started to really find his voice, has really started to find his style, and I'm excited to see where he's going. I think that, you know, a little ways from now, or maybe even his next project, it's a cool idea. Definitely has a good mind for comics, so I'm looking forward to what's coming. But, you know, definitely needs some work. Yeah, and I know that we said that we were going to share some links and stuff, but we're out of time. So we'll, we'll put share those links in the sh- all in the show notes. Yeah, well, they'll be in the show notes. Yes, definitely. Because you want to support your local derby. You know, derby is a pretty cool thing. I mean, definitely. Except for Marcus. Marcus hates derby. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, just don't yeah. tell the derby girls that because they'll kick his ass. Yeah, I'll be able to do that, though. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening to Geek Life. We love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklifepanamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and fill out the form located there. Music has been provided by Airplus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about Airplus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is Marcus. You've been listening to Geek Life Podcast. Now go read some comics.
Just yeah. draw more cocks. Draw more cocks. <laughs> draw a cock with a cock. <laughs> As trolls grow older, they get more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that today. Uh, that's awesome. Troll mm. with a belt of cocks. Okay. <laughs> 